0: Uh, if I don't know you, my name's Kyle, I'm one of the pastors here at Center Church, and man, I am excited uh, to really kick off, um, uh, yeah, the, our, our sermon for today, which is going to be kind of a one-off. We're going to take, uh, last uh, week I preached at our uh, New Year's Eve Eve, uh, for those uh, few that were there, uh, we, pre- we looked at Hebrews, and uh, it was a lot of fun, I'm not going to spill water today. Uh, didn't even bring it up here, but um, today I'm going to have you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to shift gears uh, for just a moment because I want to spend a little time talking about one of our four core values that really flows uh, from the vision that we've laid out for uh, our church. And so uh, whether you're a first-time guest a multiple-time guest, or man, you're a partner with us, uh, man, we want you to know uh, not only what our vision here is at Center Church, but also what we value, and we're really going to press in uh, to one of those values today. And so uh, I've got it, uh, I think I've got a slide ready of our vision statement as a church. So Center Church Brenham exists to invite people to Jesus and call believers to live out the gospel. So, man, our prayer would be, our hope would be, is that, man, if people hear uh, the word Center church, or they hear about us, or someone asks, what's your church about, that that's what we would be known for, that we are a people who invite people into Jesus, right? But also that we, uh, man, every believer, that we would call them to live out the gospel. A shorthand way to say that is we just want to simply invite in and live out, Right? We want to invite people into Jesus. We want to share the good news of the gospel with them in word and deed. And in doing so, we want to call every believer to then go and share the gospel with others in word and deed. And so from that vision, we get our values. Really, our values, they they kind of flow from the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. And I I believe that they are a model or a picture of what we see in the early church in Acts chapter 2. And so up on the screen here, we've got our four uh, kind of core values the first of which is that we cherish the gospel above all. I made a statement one time to Jeremy, I said only the gospel is the gospel. He said the truest statement I've ever heard. Right? So we cherish the gospel above all. Which leads to our second value that we're really going to sit in today, which is that we uh cultivate biblical community. Uh if you've been with us since the start, really, my heart, Haley's heart, man, our when our core team kind of launched, man, that was our heart is we wanted uh to man uh have a different type of community. We want it to be a community like what we're going to see in Acts chapter 2 today. Next, we coach theological discipleship. So we want to equip and train every follower of Jesus. If they're going to live out the gospel in their daily lives, we want to uh, teach them how to uh, man dig into the scriptures. We want to teach them about what the church is to be about as a community. We want to teach them what it means to be on mission. And we do that through theological discipleship. And then lastly, we want to commission every partner, which is why at the end of our time today and the end of every Sunday, as soon as we finish with our benediction, you're going to hear, Center Church family, you are now sent. And so our focus for today as we think about this vision, as we think about our values, our focus for today is simply this. As we enter a new year, I want to press us to really engage what it might look like not to live with a new year, new me mindset, but a new life, new community mindset that happens daily, not just a few weeks in January. And so the way I want to do that, I want to do that in two ways. First, I want to talk about why uh, we believe in cultivating biblical community. And so we're going to look at what is uh, the cultivation of biblical community. And then I just want to lay out in the scripture some practical ways that we want to see biblical community take place here at Center Church. So let's do this, just that. We're going to look at cultivating biblical community by beginning with the word cultivate, right? So cultivate is a word. It's actually an agriculture term that means to prepare or develop so that whatever is being cultivated might be used for the growth or flourishing of something or someone else. This term could also be seen as seeking to acquire something because it would be of benefit to oneself or to a community. And so when we think about cultivate, and the reason we chose the word cultivate, it is that we believe cultivate is a purposeful word or term that we use to describe not only why we value biblical community, but why there is purpose in the cultivation of biblical community. Let me just give you two reasons why we believe that there is purpose in this uh, word or this idea of cultivating biblical community. And the first is this. Man, we need it. You see, if you look at the story of Scripture, we see in Scripture that we are made for community. One of the reasons we know that is because we're made in the image of God who has always been in community. The Trinity, right? The Father, Son, and Spirit have always been in perfect community. And we were made in the image of God. We were made for community. And because we were made for it, we need it. If you look at the creation story after God makes Adam, Adam is in community with uh, God, and yet God says, man, there is no one fit for him. And so what he does is he, out of Adam, he creates Eve. Eve. And what we see is that, man, community begins. Because Adam looks, he says, this is mo- bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Really what he's saying is, this is the one I've been after. This is, this is what I want. I need this. Like We need community. Some of you today may say, well, I don't need community. But, but I, I think that we all are seeking community. Some, maybe, maybe for you, uh, maybe your community has just become the community of self. Me, myself, and I is where you, uh, where you run to. You see, I, I think as we think about this need for community, the other side of that is, man, we struggle to engage in authentic biblical community at times. Not, not only do we realize we need it and we long for it, but man, we struggle to really dive into it, do we not? We, we struggle with community that, that's below surface level. I'll let you know this much about me, but let's not dig any deeper than that. And so the depth of community we have oftentimes is just, there's no depth at all, is very shallow. You see, most of what I see culturally and relationally both outside and hear this inside the church at times is a shallow transactional based community. Well, let me give you three ways I see this. Uh, the first way would be in, in terms of relational isolation. So when I moved to to Brenham, Texas, I man, I was coming in and I had uh, the support system of Haley's family. But for me, like, uh, man, I like I like to have friends, right? Later, I would learn my wife's my best friend, but I like to have friends and relationships. And, and man, what I found, and I found this to be true with with many people that I've interacted with that have moved here or even have lived here for a long time. Is man, friendships are hard here. In a different way. I believe friendships can be hard anywhere and everywhere, but man, there was something just different about this. I remember I had finally found one friend and he moved away. And Haley, we're early in our marriage and she came in the, the dining room and I'm crying and she's like, What are you doing? And I was like, I lost my friend. It's the only one I have. He's gone. Right? Like, I was distraught because, man, I longed for it. I needed it. I mean, it was, it was just like it was gone and I was struggling. And the reason being is because many people I would interact with, they had the same friends forever. And they were good with that. They were like, Kyle, I don't want to be your friend. Why? I got friends. I, I don't need anymore. And, and I know for many of you, like, I've talked to you and you felt that same struggle, right? But we can do the same thing at times. I think if we're not careful, we can begin to relationally isolate and say, this is it. We can do that as individuals. We can also do that as a church. No more get in. You're, you, you, we're, 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 we've got enough here, right? I don't need any more relationships. I took my uh, oldest son and my nephew to a, a Maz rockets game this week. and uh, When we walked out, we weren't five steps out. My son says, Dad, when are we going to the next one? And so for me as a dad, I'm like, oh, oh, anytime you want, son. Uh, But I said, Jude, this is what we'll do. As a family, we'll go to Dallas and we'll go to where the Mavs play, right? And then I looked at the tickets and was like, nope. We're going back to Houston when they get there. But when he, I told him that and he said, okay, that's awesome. And we got home and I shared that with Haley. And, and the next day Haley was talking and, and Jude said, oh, mom, guess what? Dad said next time we get to go and we're, we're going to go to Dallas and go to the game. And Haley goes, yeah, he told me about that, that our whole family is going to go. And he goes, no, 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 mommy. Just me and Jakey and dad. Like, not y'all. We have enough, right? Like, this is all we need. But that's what we can tend to do. So you have relational isolation. You you seek to be comfortable but not known. I have a community and need no others. The next is uh, we can run into the problem of relational self-fulfillment. I'm about engaging relationships to the extent that they meet all my needs, wants, and desires. It's all take and no give. Now I know for probably all of you, maybe a person just popped up in your head. Take that person, put yourself there. Because we do it as well. We do it as individuals, but also like we do it in the church. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that have felt burned out and used by the church. It was all taken. They were, they, they, and no gift relationally. But also, I can't tell you the number of pastors, even over the last couple of years, that have burned out. And just quit because it was all taken, no give. I know for me, and at times, like I, I always say that, that a lot of they don't know what to do with me when they find out I'm a pastor. And so I used to just go as long as possible without them knowing. Let's see how long I can make it because as soon as I said, oh, I'm a pastor," they'd be like. Or yeah, we can't hang out anymore, or whatever it is, right? Not with everybody. Somebody in the room like, man, y'all, you, you've done great. But like for all of us, like it can't be that. We are called to something totally different, which leads to the last uh, relational thing, which is that man, we believe the relational illusion. You see, for many, the definition or understanding of community has little to do with relational depth and more to do with the surface level satisfaction of friend requests and follows along with the number of likes and shares we can get on social media. You see, this while carrying the banner of relationship and safety is a false narrative that only isolates and starves us of what we really need, which is biblical community that has to be cultivated. Let me take it a step further. It has to be cultivated in person. Like authentic community is face to face. Not online. The metaverse cannot give you what you need. It tells you it can. But it can't. And so we want to cultivate something totally different. We want to cultivate what we believe the scripture calls biblical community. You see, we don't seek some ethereal form of community that changes with the ebb and flow of culture. Rather, we have a target that we're after. I believe that this target begins with our new identity, but this new identity in Christ leads to not just a new reality, it leads to a new command. I love Jesus in John 13. He says that the world around us will know we're his disciples by what? By our love for one another. You see, this love has depth. This love seeks to cultivate relationship because we are not just acquaintances, we are actually part of God's family. You see, part of this cultivation of biblical community specifically changes how we view the way we are called to care for each other's souls, as well as how, as pastors, we want to shepherd and equip you as the church. And so that's what we're after the cultivation of biblical community. And so with that, let's look at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, where we see a model for cultivating biblical community. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, so if we're going to talk about what it looks like to cultivate biblical community, Acts 2 gives us a beautiful picture of what this community should look like. If you remember, Acts 2 comes on the heels of a few things. First, it comes on the heels of the commissioning and call we see in Matthew 28. When Jesus says, therefore, go, because he has all authority, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that's been commanded. He says, hey, in the midst of it, and all the way to the end, I'm with you. And then in Acts chapter 1, we see that they are called to anticipate along with... with, Jesus gives them the scope of their witness. He says, man, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be what? You will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then what we see in Acts 2 is we see the empowerment and the fruit of that call. And that fruit of that call has continued on forever. And so it's within this newly formed, commissioned community that we see the first picture of biblical community. And it's this. A biblical community earnestly enjoys one another in light of the gospel. You see, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I remember before uh, we planted, like I would read this, and I'd be like, that's what I want. And so let's just break down how they earnestly enjoyed one another in light of the gospel. Well, it begins with the reality that they had a devotion to both teaching and fellowship. So begin with teaching. They were taught together. They came together with a posture of learning. There were no Google experts, right, to say, no, like, actually, I searched this or that, or actually, my social media pastor told me this or that. No, they sit in a posture of learning and said, okay, let's be taught. But they also were devoted to fellowship, which is the Greek word koinonia, where we get our word partnership. So I'm going to plug basics class here in a little bit. Uh, but when we talk about, in our church, we don't say member, we say partner. And the reason we say that is because we believe, and scripturally that's what it is, you are partnering in something. You're not just a member of something, you're actually part of a fellowship. Next it says they broke bread together. They shared meals together. This is what we seek to do In our missional communities, right? Like we love to eat, do we not? Like, amen. Like, and it's good, right? Like, I love breakfast night at MC and taco night and app night and what all the nights. Uh, But man, we love to to get together as missional communities, which is how we do small groups. And what we do is, uh, while it's centered around the, while it's centered upon the gospel, it's centered around a table. It's centered around the meal. Because, man, I believe uh, that, man, there's just something about getting together around a meal that just breaks down walls, that, 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 that creates and allows for conversation and for space. And if you don't believe me, just read the Gospel of Luke. Tim Chester wrote a book called A Meal with Jesus, and it walks through the Gospel of Luke, and you see that Jesus is either going to a meal or coming from a meal in the entire Gospel. As you look at Jesus' life, you see, man, a lot of His interactions came around the table. And so this is what God's people did. Man, I believe that, that man breaking bread and sharing meals together is an experience of God's grace, but also a picture of the feasting to come. Next, they prayed together a lot. I believe that this is one of those areas, if I were say an area that we could grow as a church, it would be in prayer. You see, I believe a praying people is, are, are dependent people. I be, believe that praying people are a faith-filled people. And then we see that they had all things in common. Uh, that, that word for all things in common, because guess what? Like if there would have been, you know, football during that day, you would have had Cowboys fans. Yes. And you would have had Texans fans. So that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about Unity. It's not that they didn't have issues or disagreements either. You don't get too much further in Acts, and I man, Paul goes to Peter and he says, Hey, you're wrong. No, the reality is is they were committed to each other and they had unity because they cherished the gospel above all. And so as you think about that, like do you go there? Are you about unity or are you hung up on other things? Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he calls them but also us to be eager to maintain unity and the bond of peace. The, the word for eager there means to use speed or to make diligent effort to do something. You see, the truth is, is that unity is something that must be fought for because in light of our sin, if we don't make an effort for it, guess what? We will commonly run to disunity. Gossip. Slander. Jealousy, coveting. You see, this is a serious matter that, man, I believe oftentimes isn't taken that seriously. So often we live in unity as long as you are unified with my wants, desires, and needs. Mark Dever, a pastor, says that, listen to this, the unity of Christians in the church is to be a property of the church. And also a sign for the world reflecting the unity of God Himself. Thus, divisions and quarrels are a peculiarly serious scandal. And so today, is there division and quarreling in your life? And if so, you are to deal with the offense, whether you uh, uh, offended someone or you are uh, the one who received offense. You see, church, we have to fight for unity in light of our unity in Christ. In a culture that says cancel them, cut them off, never trust them again, may we cultivate a community of grace, repentance, and reconciliation that seeks to see the best in people even in the worst of moments, that deals with the inner issue rather than letting it fester, and that turns to God's grace in light of our own need so that we might be a people of grace to one another. Which leads to the last thing they were about. That unity leads to sacrifice. It says they gave what they had to the point that they sold possessions to give to others. This is a picture of the unity that they carried. Because they were unified under the banner of Christ's sacrifice. Freely they had been given. Freely they gave. It says they gave with glad and generous hearts. Do we... And then look at the product of this. First, it says earlier, it says that all came upon all the people. And I think that that's twofold. I think it's in the church, but also outside the church. And they'd never experienced this kind of community. People did not understand it, but they were in awe of it. And one of the things that I love, I don't like, I want you to hear this. I don't believe we're a perfect church at all. But I love it when people, man, they, they get involved in the life of our church and they're just like, Kyle, what is it? Where, uh, I remember, uh, Jeremy, like, as he was, began working here, like, one day we're driving, he goes, Kyle, what is it? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, what's the messy thing? I was like, well, there's a lot. He's like, no, no, what's the hidden messy thing that's just going to jump out? And I was like, I, I don't, he's like, we don't get it. He was like, Katie and I talk. And he's like, I tell people, he's like, I've never, like, been a part of something like this. That, that, where I've seen, he's like, I don't, I don't lie. You know, I don't, not that he doesn't lie. He's like, I don't know what to do with it at times. And I've heard other people, they've just come to me and they said, Hey, uh, y'all aren't really like this, right? Y'all just do this till we become partners. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I, it just, it just seems different and genuine. And I'm like, that's what we're after, right? Like we should be after that. Are we perfect? No. I mean, we want to be about that. Man, do we realize that? I think sometimes we can become calloused and and, and apathetic towards that when we've been somewhere for a long time. But also, man, does the world around us see that? Is the word on the street, man, man, not only, people at Center Church, they invite you in and they call you to live out, but man, they, they proclaim the name of Jesus. The next thing it says, they had favor. You see, the world around them saw this and recognized that it was a different kind of community. What this means is that, that we do this, that as we live into this, we are called to be a a picture of the gospel-centered community of the world around us. We are to be salt in a world of decay and light in a world of darkness. And then the last thing we see is that it bore fruit. For the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, gospel community bears fruit. Because guess what? Like at the end of day, like God is the one bearing the fruit. We just get to participate and be a part of it and partner with Him in it. And then that actually should invigorate us. Because it's not up to us we just get to go and we get to proclaim. We get to live our lives. We get to cultivate biblical community and say, okay, God, do what you will. You see, in our lives, the way we cultivate biblical community is the means by which we see the good news of the gospel take root and bear fruit in the life of the church and in lives in the church. You see, we should be a different picture of what it means to love, serve, and live together in unity and generosity than what is being cultivated by the world around us. And so what we see is that we are to earnestly enjoy one another as we live into and out of our new identities in Christ. This enjoyment of one another then leads to another way we're to cultivate biblical community, which is that biblical community encourages one another. Encourage is the manner by which we give support, confidence, and hope to others and it's always rooted in the gospel because it is our encouragement the the good news of the gospel is our encouragement in and through all things and so let's quickly look at an example of how this command to encourage is laid out i'm going to uh first thessalonians five twelve through eighteen says this we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, so we get a few things in these verses that reveal to us our calling to be a community of encouragement. First, Paul says to admonish the idle. What that is, is that's is a warning. It's to warn the lazy to pursue Jesus in the context of community. Now you hear that and you're like, that doesn't sound very encouraging. But actually that should be so encouraging. It should be encouraging that someone would love you enough to admonish you from time to time. And so, man, if our posture and our heart, when someone comes to us because they out of love and humility and gentleness and says, hey, I see this in your life and it's not biblical, it's wrong, it's sin. man, if our response is, how dare you? We've got it wrong. Actually, what we should do is we should say, thank you. Thank you for seeing that. Thank you for loving me enough. To not allowing me to stay there. Next, it says to encourage the faint-hearted. You see, as we live life, we all struggle and we all need others around us to encourage our hearts, right? And if there's another area in 2023 that I think we could grow in, it's as a people uh, who are encouragers to one another. Like, I'm not just talking about this culture, but overall, we struggle as a culture of encouragement. But we don't know how to receive encouragement well, and we often don't know how to give it well. Like, let us engage here. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you in the room feel faint-hearted in some way? And how much would it mean to you if someone gave you some encouragement? and Just, hey, continue on. I'm praying for you. So yesterday, I got to go celebrate one of my good friend's 40th birthdays. And we sang him happy birthday, and we got done, and his wife said, okay, this is what we're going to do now. And there was about 18 of us, and she said, everyone is going to go around, and you're going to give a one-word encouragement of when you think of Amari, what's the encouraging word you think of? And I'm sitting there like, oh, man, this is going to be Weird. This could get like, nobody, people might not talk. And not three seconds after she said go, people just started spouting off. This, that, the, and none of them were the same. And man, it it, like I watched Amari's countenance just grow as he was just filled up as people encouraged his heart. And man, that made me want to jump into that. It made me want to say, yeah, that's who you are. And I, I believe that I, because I know a lot of the people there, they're a part of a certain church in Waco that I used to uh, hang out with. And man, I'd always, they're the most encouraging people in the world. Like sometimes I just get offended by it because I, I like to jab at people a little bit, right? Uh, and so, I like if you know, if you go to Center Church, if you get messed with and we mess with you because we really love you. But hey, let's counter that with some encouragement too, right? You see, it was easy for them. Is it easy for us? Like, is it easy for, for, for me to look and say, Mark Whitehead, like, man, you are one of the biggest servants we have in our church, and I'm grateful for you. Like, Ronnie Petty, like, man, the wisdom that you bring to Tuesday Morning Equip, because you're not afraid to ask hard questions. I could go on and on. Like, Nathan and Colin, like, thanks for being like brothers and friends to me. Like, I'm grateful for it. Jeremy and Katie, like, thanks for coming here. So glad that God brought y'all. It was a year ago today, I was having phone calls, getting character references for this guy. And I'm so grateful. Like, but that, like, can we be about that? Like, we think it's gotta be, like, formalized. Like, you just need to walk up and say, hey, I saw this in you. Good job. And the way you do that, man, that makes me want to pursue Jesus more. May we be a culture like that. And so this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to pick three people in the life of this church and give them a one word. Some of you, maybe you need four words because you're (laughs) long-winded. Whatever, just encourage them, okay? The next word we see is to help the weak. Again, the cultivation of biblical community is not theological Darwinism. It is a sacrificial service to one another in light of the help we received in Jesus. He took the form of a servant and helped us. He he took our death and He gives us life by His sacrifice. Jesus did not tell those in need to get their act together, to work harder, to be better. Rather, He helped relieve our greatest need. May we, in turn, seek to do the same to others. Now, we can't meet their ultimate need, but we can point them to Jesus, and along the way, we can encourage them and say, hey, keep going, persevere. So not only do we seek to live or cultivate a community that earnestly enjoys one another, we want to cultivate biblical community that encourages one another, which leads to my last kind of point for the day, is that we want to cultivate biblical community that engages and endures with one another. If you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what you find over and over and over again is that Jesus engages the mess of our lives and instead of casting us off in judgment and shame, He endures the punishment of our mess. And mess is a light word. It's actually rebellion. He took the punishment endured the, our mess upon the cross. He endured the death we deserve and in turn calls us as the church to engage and endure the mess of life with one another. And so this is kind of two-par. Let's begin with engage. We want to be a community that cultivates and presses the need to engage the mess, not to run from, hide, or project it to be anything other than the mess that it is. Like, let's be a people that learn to engage the mess, because that's exactly what God has always done. Since Genesis 3, God has engaged the mess, and He set out to do something about it. And so something we say a lot here is that we want to be a place, I believe we are a place where it's okay to not be okay, but we don't want you to stay there. And so how do we engage the mess? Well, I think one of the first ways we engage it is we acknowledge that it's there and we get out in front of it. Like if you see smoke, engage the smoke. Don't wait until the fire's blazing. And so this is really two-sided. First, for you yourself. If you see mess and smoke in your own life, engage in relationship and tell someone. This is where that accountability, this is where that community, that discipleship is saying, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Will you pray for me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you check in on me? Don't wait till your life blows up. Also, don't think... I can do it myself. You can't. You can't. The Bible would actually say that's foolishness. But as we talk about community for everyone else, as we live life together, if we see the mess in others, pray. And then seek to engage it in humility and gentleness. Don't gossip. If you won't go to the person, shut your mouth. Unity. And when you do go to them, do so in humility and gentleness because that's what you received in Jesus. Also, don't don't tell them just to stop sinning. Point them to the Savior. Tell them they need to stop sinning, okay? I don't mean like don't skirt around the sin. Tell them that. But point them to the Savior. Encourage them. Get to know their story. Show them that you care. And in that encouragement, and in that response, give them Jesus. Give them the Word. Not simply your wisdom. Now if your wisdom is backed up by the Word, give them that. But on the other side of that, and I think one of the ways we get out in front of this church Is, man, we need to be a people that are more willing to share our mess. And not just like the mess, but man, what God has brought us through. Like, I don't know how many people, like, if they hear, like, they, man, they hear someone's story and they're like, well, the reason I didn't share that is because I thought no one else ever dealt with that. Or I thought, man, we don't share that stuff in church, we only share the good stuff. Share your mess. Share what God has done and is doing in your life. Not as a badge of like honor, of like, look how sinful I am, but no, as a testimony to say, hey, look how gracious God is. Now I'll say one more thing about this. At times, to get out in front of and to engage the messes community, there might be the need for a season of biblical counseling to take place with a certified professional. So we believe and promote, here it's interesting, we believe and promote biblical counseling as a church. Like, I'm a certified biblical counselor who has benefited greatly from biblical counseling. But, and this has really come, like, we've promoted this a lot. Man, I'm, like, praising God for the many ways that I've seen people engage in that and they've, they've seen the fruit of that. But but I think from that, I think I would take it a step further and I would say this. We believe that any form of counseling that is received outside of the church should be connected to the community of the church. And this is why. Particularly, I mean pastorally. You see, as pastors, we are called to shepherd you. And so if you are in counseling, we want to know about it. We want to know what's going on. Not so that we can say, shame, 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 or get it together, but so we can say, we're going to pray for you, and what do you need? How can we walk with you? You see, going to... Well, well, I believe, again, I I can't stress this enough. I believe counseling is great. That person only sees you in moments. And I'm pretty good at projecting when I want to. Saying the right things. Nodding at the right times. Looking somber when I need to be somber at times. You can't always do that in the church. I believe you can, but it's going to be exposed. You see, we see you or should see you regularly in community where real life exposes our need. And so today, man, if you're in counseling, I, I, man, I want to encourage you, man, like let us know so we can say, okay, what do you need? How can we pray for you? How can we, let's, let's keep the line of communication going so we know what's going on, so we can help, so we can walk alongside. Them. And I would even suggest if you'll do that, like take it a step further and go to your missional community leader and say, hey, we want you to be aware so you can be praying, not so they can say, oh my gosh, but so they can say, okay, what do you need? How can we walk with you? This is what it means to be biblical community. You see, as a church that cultivates biblical community, we believe that we are not simply called to engage the mess. Uh, The next step is that we endure it alongside one another. Scripture says we are to bear with one another in patience, grace, prayer, service, sacrifice, so that we might see holistic care, produce holistic discipleship in the life of every person that we partner with. So this means that we're in it for the long haul. Church family, we're in it for the long haul. Now we may drop the ball at times, but we're in it for the long haul. What this means is that not only do you have Jesus with you in your walk, but you have people around you. I and mean, what a picture of the gospel to the world around you. And so how do we do this? A couple of ways as we close. The first how for you today is, man, partner with us. Sign up for our basics class next week and learn what it means to partner here at Center Church, who we are, what we do, and why we do it. The basics class will give you opportunity to uh, learn more about what it's like in the life of our church. Next, maybe you've gone to a basics class. uh, Man, partner with us. Take that next step and sign your partnership form. Maybe you went to one like five years ago and we gave new partnership forms in November and you still haven't signed that thing. Sign it. Get back to us. Next, man, I want to encourage you to get involved. Engage. Engage. Join one of our missional communities. Like this is one of the ways we see enjoyment, encouragement, and engaging endurance uh, fleshed out in the life of our church. Like, MCs are one of the places that we work through the mess. It's a safe environment. It's a crazy environment, but it's a safe, it's a loud environment, but it's a safe environment. Next, get transparent. Like, share with someone. Again, start, if you need to go somewhere, you're like, I don't want to, like, come, like, we can sit down, like, talk with your pastors, talk with MC leaders. Hey, this is what's going on. I want y'all to be aware. Engage in community. Also, if something is shared with you and you don't know how to handle it, seek out pastoral help in dealing with it. Next, get to encouraging. Encourage three people in this church body this week. Get proactive. And we all need to look for ways to cultivate biblical community. Guess what? In our missional communities, we're going to need some new host homes. We're going to need some new leaders because we're growing. and It's good. Also, if we have more host homes and leaders, we don't have, uh, you know, as many children in one host home, right? Like, host home leaders say, Amen. Uh, like, we love them, but, like, it's loud. And, like, we, and like, for me, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, this is life together. Uh, but, um, like, let's spread the wealth. <laughs> Open your home, share meals, look for ways to serve one another. And then lastly, and this is, man, today, if you're hearing all this and you're like, I have no idea what, like, to cultivate biblical community. I'm still so, what does the gospel even mean? Man, get saved. Come to to Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation. Your life in biblical community can only begin with new life in Christ. And so I'm going to invite you into that. If you don't know Jesus today, come talk to me. And, man, if you don't, like, we want to celebrate that. One way we can celebrate, uh, don't overwhelm her, uh, but my niece ran up to me before we started, and she said, I'll cry, I'll cry, I'll cry. I asked Jesus in my heart five times. <laughs> and I went, wait a second. <laughs> then I heard the story, but it, it was, she was like, I've already asked him in my heart four times, parents. Like, it, like y'all need to get with, like, I want to do this. I know, and, and she can articulate And, man, like, we want to celebrate that. And so that's what we mean. When we talk about cultivating biblical community, that's what we're after. And I don't even think that's like getting to the beginning of it. Like we could go on and on and on about what this looks like. But that's what I want to invite you into. Earnestly enjoy, encourage, engage and endure. Like let's do this together so that we uh, might grow in unity and flourish as we're transformed more into the image of Jesus, but also so that we might go out and proclaim, man, there is a different way to live life in community, and it actually is the only way that brings life and transformation. And so I'm going to have the team come back up, and I want to invite you just to begin to just reflect and respond. Um, We're going to give you a little bit of time to do that. Um... So just think about that. Man, is there an area in your life as you think about cultivating biblical community that maybe you're struggling in? Maybe you need to just ask the Spirit to do a work right now. Or maybe you need to go to someone and, and share. Man, I need to share this messiness in my life. Will you pray for me? Or, uh, you know, uh, maybe you need to uh, engage in some encouragement. And that might need to begin in some repentance. Because, you know, maybe you haven't been very encouraging to your spouse or your children. And So to begin encouraging, start with repentance. Say, hey, I just need to repent and apologize, but I want to encourage you in this way. And then, may we just pray for hearts that would endure, that we would be quick to say, hey, I'm, I'm here to walk alongside you. And so what I want to invite you to do as we reflect and respond is we're also going to share in a time of communion, going time of Nathan uh, and Ronnie come forward. They're going to pass out the elements this morning. And so, man, if you are a follower of Jesus, redeemed by the blood, we invite you to come and you can share in communion. Uh, and so, they're going to present the elements to you and then we'll take communion all together. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we ask that you abstain. Uh, not because we want to uh, chastise you or push you away, but actually, we want to use it as a means to invite you in and explain what this means. And why, uh, man, why we cherish it so. And so, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then y'all can come forward, uh, grab the elements, go back to your seat. And then I'll lead us in this taking of communion. Father, we thank you for that you have called us into community through your son. May that give us uh, not just hope, but may that... Uh, may, May that draw us to awe and encouragement and celebration as we realize, man, the reality of what you bring us into. God, let us be a people that, that really enjoy one another as the body of Christ and I seek to invite others in as we live out this good news uh, to those we come in contact with uh, in our daily lives. May we uh, seek to be a people that encourage and, and that engage, even in the messy stuff, that we would be willing just to share our own mess our own struggles, and, and from that, God, we know you are faithful to bring change. God, we ask these things, and we ask for you uh, to to move by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.